You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh. And she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's The Nicole Sandler Show. This song's been sung 300 years. To tell of soldiers' hopes and fears No muskets will you hear today Over the hills and far away But Putin's tanks, a war now start That tears a hole in Europe's heart To fight or flee, not all can stay Over the hills and far Far 
shed a tear for one man's hopes, another's fear. Cold heart has a price to pay over the hills and far away. So fall in line to help them through another time. It family over the hills and far away it's a traditional song that they reworked an adaptation for ukraine they actually put this song out 11 months ago so a month into the war the marsh family over there in kent in the uk um doing that is their way to show support and in fact what they wrote on the video i want to i want to um read to you what they wrote. They said, Europe is facing a conflict that conjures images we hoped our children would never witness. We believe Britain needs to step up and support Ukraine and its people, including those in flight. We don't believe the Borders Bill, new strict asylum legislation under consideration in Parliament, on Monday, February 28th, tomorrow, so they did this just about a year ago, is remotely fit for purpose. This is the point that's been raised by more than 50 charities, NGOs, and aid agencies. And then they give links to information about that story. I'm so impressed with this family. And uh, and then they write, if you're looking to support those in the crisis, please consider the UNICEF emergency appeal. And they give the uh, URL unicef.org. Um, and they have the lyrics that they retooled for this occasion. And uh, it's just magnificent. I will post that video along with today's show, uh, you know, on, on the blog. It'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 2-24-23. Today is the, 23rd, uh, the 24th of February, and it was one year ago today that Vladimir Putin uh, began his war on Ukraine. Now, um, so much has transpired between then and now. And, um, you know, I'll say a year ago, I, 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 I was certainly hoping that the people of Ukraine wouldn't still be under fire at this time. You know, uh, today we're going to deal with Ukraine. We're going to talk to a journalist, an American journalist who's over there. Um, some of you have suggested that I, that I get Philip Itner. Itner, I think is how you pronounce his name, back on the show. He was on with us last April, but he'll join us again in about a half hour. He's been on the ground there, as far as I know, for the past year. So we'll talk to him. 
And I thought, well, depending on time, maybe we will try to contact someone in Ukraine again, because you know that's something that I do. So it was just over a year ago, right? It was on, um, hold on, let me pull this up. It was on February 18th of last year. Think back, remember, remember what was going on then? We had been <clears throat> in the media here, we'd been hearing that uh, Putin was amassing his troops along the border and an attack was imminent. So I tried calling over, you know how I like to, I like to call into um, uh, hotels to talk to people wherever there's something going on in the world. So um, I, I, on the 18th, I'm sorry, it was the 17th, actually, the 17th of February last year, five or six days before the war began, I called and I, I, I finally, I, I tried a number of hotels. It's much later there. So it's late at night by the time we come on the air here. And um, so I, I called and had a few misses and finally got through to somebody at the Intercontinental Hotel. Um, here's the gist of the conversation. I have the whole conversation, but this was the part, this moment in this phone call that has stuck with me for the last 12 months. If we're speaking about uh, uh, Mikey Capital in Kiev or a Western part of our country, it's everything okay. But if we start speaking our Eastern part, right. you know, we have war, and yes, because our borders with Russia have a lot of, like, army and that's all. So our East part is a little bit dangerous. It's not a little bit, it's actually dangerous. Yes. So, but, but in the capital here in the Western part, everything okay. So she was convinced, this woman was convinced that no harm was going to come to them in Kiev. She said in the Eastern part of the country, yes, it's bad, but not here. You know what? Let me share a little more of that phone call with you. Again, this was just days before the invasion began. If we're speaking about- uh, this one. Last try. And then, and then we'll just give up and just hope that everybody's okay. Yes. Hi. Do you speak English? Yes, of course. Yes. Yay. Hi. My name is Nicole. I'm calling from the United States. And we're kind of worried about you guys over there. How is everything in Kiev right now? Um, now it's okay. <laughs> so no, uh, we don't have bombs or something else. So we don't have bombs situation. or something. That's else. good. But are you worried? Uh, what What do you know? Are they telling you anything? Um, no, we just we have our normal life. So you sh- you shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be worried. We we you know we are worried. Yes. We see what what. Yes, I can. I can understand, but now we have still situation now, no, no any news or about war or something else. So you feel pretty good about things. Do you like President Zelensky? Mm, yes, of course. Yes, is he funny or is he better as a comedian or as a president? No, he's the president. Right, but he was a comedian before, right? Yes, yes, he was. But he's doing a good job as president, you think? Doing a better job now. Yes. 
yes. That's I'm good with him, really. Good. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. And you don't feel threatened? There aren't, like, Russian troops sitting on the edge of the no, city ready to come in and take over? Uh, yes, of course, we are worried about this, but now we have a still situation. No, uh, especially in Kiev, uh, is uh, still a normal life. It's stable and normalized. Okay. And yes. is the government telling you anything? She they said it's still a normal you know, they life. The U.S. Embassy, said. they told everyone to get out. Uh, really? I didn't know this. Yeah. She didn't know that. M- maybe it's just a news or it was, uh, or are you sure about this? I- I'm sure about it. Yeah. Th- they're warning us over here. I mean, our government, the U.S. intelligence, seems to believe that Putin and Russia are going to invade any time now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. I see. But um, we don't have this information, so we have visitors also in our hotel and guests. And everything so is kind of business? Everything is business as yes. usual? Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, I heard something that a, that a, a school, like a kindergarten, All right, you know got what? hit so by... You got uh, the by- gist of that. So here it was. It was the 17th of February, just, what, six days before... The bombs started dropping, and she was unaware that that the U.S. Embassy basically told everyone, all non-essential personnel, get out. She was unaware that we were being told that war was imminent. The people in Ukraine were unaware. And that phone call, I got to tell you, has stayed with me. All these months, because I've been wondering how this woman is. I did try calling back to the Intercontinental, where she was after it began, and I I never got through. But you may recall, on uh, the 28th, which was four days after the bombing began, I reached out to to another place. I found found the, uh, the, the Friends Forever Hostel. In Kiev, and I thought, okay, well, obviously the name is in English. I figured somebody there is going to speak English, and so on. The during the show on February twenty eighth of last year, as we were hearing horrific reports of you know civilian areas being bombed and people being killed, excuse me, I picked up the phone, and um, this happened. Hello. Hi. Do you speak English? Yes, I speak English. Hi, my name's Nicole. I'm calling from the United States, and I'm just calling to check in and see if you're okay. Yes, I'm here. Yes, like five days, stay underground. It's not fun. No, no. Is it, are, are there are there troops around where you are? Underground, minus one floor. You know, like five days all the time. It's like fighting. Wow, so you're you're hiding underground basically. You're you're staying safe underground. Yes. What what would you like the rest of the world to know? What can we do to help you? My darling, uh, if you send me uh, to this number like in Telegram, I will would ask because we'll try to help to Ukrainian army and uh, any woman who pregnant, like all that, may try to obtain uh, money and uh, everybody helping to uh, each other. And uh, if you can help, if you uh, if you can some reserve for help, uh, I will I will send to you what we are need. 
Okay, so send you send you like a text to this number. Yes, please. Uh, yes, uh, if if it's better, if you can uh, send me. I'm not sure what is true number because I doesn't uh, I doesn't see your number. You know, if you can send to my, this number to Telegram uh, message. Telegram. With, uh, I, I didn't know what Telegram help, was at the time. You about some help. Okay. Okay. What what is your what is your first name? Don't give me your full name. Just give me your first name. Uh, my name is uh, Tatiana Stepanenko. Tatiana. I'm like, yes, Tatiana. I'm owner of hostel. You're the owner there. Oh, my goodness. Well, I do a, I do a radio show. Um, I want to get the word out as to how you're doing and what people can do to help. So I will send you a text. And um, Thank you, my darling. Thank you very much for, for your caring about 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 people. Thank you very much. Here in America, you are in our thoughts and we want to help. We really want to help. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Tatiana. Take care. Big, big hug. Thank you. Thank be, you. be safe. Bye. Bye-bye. Big heart. Uh, Tatiana, turns out, that's her, her formal name. She goes by Tanya. And she and her husband, Dennis, own the Friends Forever Hostel in the middle of Kiev. That was the first time we spoke. I did connect with her on the Telegram app once I figured out what she was talking about. Just Telegram. I'm thinking, send a Telegram? Because I'm old and out, out, you know, not not in the swing of things. But I, I finally got it. And for the last year, we have we have maintained a friendship. And just so you know, Tanya is doing okay. Um, so you know, we stayed in touch. I've got our conversations all here on the the Telegram app, going back for the last twelve months, and. Um, I did check in with Tanya to see if she wanted to come back on and talk to us. And she said she'd rather not. She's going through some medical treatment. She's fine. She's actually trying to get pregnant. So life goes on. Life goes on during the craziest times, right? And so... But I but I want to share with you a few of our communications. So like I sent her on New Year's Eve. It was December 31st. I wrote, Happy New Year, my friend. I hope 2023 brings peace. And she wrote back, Happy New Year. And then we didn't talk for a few weeks. And then just in, in the towards the end of January, when the attacks picked up again, and we heard about other, you know, bombs being dropped again on Kiev, I reached out and I said, Hey, Tanya, I just want to tell you I'm thinking of you constantly, hoping that you're staying safe. Each time I hear of another attack, my heart hurts for you again. I hear now that the U.S. and Germany said they'd send tanks, that the mad dictator is getting worse. Sending love and prayers for peace your way. And she wrote back, thank you very much. You are close to my thoughts. We are trying to live. Our nerves were failing, so the doctor prescribed sedatives for me. I understand that this may be normal for you, but for me, this is the first experience. For the first time, my body cannot cope. But now I feel a little better. Many military friends say that we need to tune in that February will be very difficult. So we pray and thank you that we are alive. And so we exchanged a few messages like that. Um, then February 20th, just a few days ago, I wrote, I wrote again, I wrote, good morning, Tanya. I'm thinking of you often as the one year anniversary of Russia's invasion is this week. Then I awoke to the news that President Biden was in Kiev this morning to show support. 
How are you holding up? Do you have power? Do you have internet? What's going on over there? And her response was, Hello, yes, we also had a pleasant shock in the morning. We're a little worried because they're threatening again. There are very difficult battles in the east of Ukraine now. We don't even know the statistics of deaths. We are told that 150,000 Russian soldiers died. There are many Russians, and therefore we need more people from our side, and these are still victims. For the time being, we live very calmly in relation to the south and the east of Ukraine. Two to three massive missile attacks of 70 to 100 missiles per month. And again, it's quiet for a week. And then she wrote, there is good news. My aunt left the occupation. A week ago, she got her children to Poland. She decided to leave only after the shell exploded four meters from her house. The windows flew out and one wall was destroyed. But thank you so much. Now she is safe. And uh, I mean, God, to hear things like this, it just, it's heartbreaking. These people are just trying to live. And I, and I wrote back, I'm glad to hear that your aunt and her children are safe and that you're okay. I'm glad Biden went there. Sadly, the news from Ukraine is not at the top of our reports any longer. And then I asked, how's your internet and electric service? And, the, and I invited her to come back on and talk with her this week. And she said, with electricity, we are all right. But she's currently undergoing this treatment, and she said, I really, this is not a great time to talk. Um, so I will honor her thoughts, you know, her wishes. Um, we, like I said, we communicate all the time, at least weekly. And if ever I send her, um, you know, a message, I hear back from her certainly within the day. The song that I opened with, the Marsh family with their rendition of Over the Hills and Far Away, I sent her that, you know, because uh, on Telegram, you you can send videos and pictures and stuff. And, you know, she, it's nice that, that, that I can reach out human being to human being across the ocean and let without the without the interference of governments or, you know, anybody else um, that we can just speak human to human. And she knows you know, she knows that there are people here who care, right? So, um, but I do want to show you when the, with the power, when they started attacking the, um, the, uh, the infrastructure, when the Russians started attacking the infrastructure, um, you know, I had written to her, this is back in December. So I'm just going to show you, I'm going to show you my screen where the Telegram app comes in and hold on I need to make sure that these there are phone numbers of some people that are showing I need to get rid of those so I don't mistakenly give away um like Jill Sobule's phone number or anything all right so here is uh here we go all right so this video shows how they have their lights on when the power is out you can see they have got something strung up. They've got two overhead lights. They have car batteries on the floor with wires um, running to the lights. So that's how they have light. You, it, again, it's a short, you know, seven-second video that I'm showing here. But you can see the the, uh, the car batteries hooked up to wires, hooked up to the light. And then the next video she sent is shows how they're cooking. And again, they've got like a hot plate um, with a with a liquid, I think it's a propane 
tank in the kitchen um, and they're, and they're heating up liquid. And she, what she said was, um, uh, uh, let's see, I understand what you say. My life goes on. Perhaps I even became stronger and more patient. Thanks to the tyrant who does not understand how he united our country, citizens and bright souls all over the planet. But, oh, here she said, so, um, I asked about the light. She said, right now there is light, but when there is no light, there is no heating in the house. Sometimes the temperature drops to 14 degrees Celsius. And I wrote, that's too cold inside. At least you and Dennis can snuggle and keep each other warm. She said, so we bought a generator, and now friends are sending a large battery from Latvia so that even without electricity, our house would be, be always be warm. I assure you, cold, hunger, and darkness are just the price of independence. And everyone who stayed in Ukraine is ready to be patient. I got to I got to say, this woman amazes me, just amazes me, and the resilience of these people. And yeah, she's they're going through the motions of life. They're going through, um, you know, they're doing what they need to do to survive. And the fact that she's trying to get pregnant now, you know, in some ways it just it hurts my heart, but in others it warms my soul. Because they're not going to let this dictator derail them. They're, they're not going to give in. Look, we've seen this from President Zelensky over the last year. The resolve of these people is just amazing. You know, I often wonder what, what this country would do. You know, and... and when I look at the video, she sent other videos of, you know, bombings that she could see from her house in the distance. And if that were to happen here, I don't think Americans would be as resilient and as strong and tough as they are in Ukraine. But then again, I'm looking at the uh, at the chat room right now, and it, it, a lot of things affect us, right? Um, right now, this this weird weather system we have going on is um, uh, Sashi. That's a good question. Hold on, and it it snowed in Southern California. Now they were under a blizzard watch, but uh, somebody in the chat told me that the Hollywood sign got dusted. That's weird, you know. But um, yeah, nothing surprises me anymore. Now Sashi said, "Why would you bring a child into this war?" I ask the question, why would anybody bring a child into this world? Um, I, you know, I, at right now at this time in history, it's the last thing I would do. I do know that there are millions of children in the world who need homes, who need families. And as the mother of an adopted daughter, I always will advocate for adoption. Um, Right now, you know, when I hear of couples going through uh, IVF and, and all the heartaches and the expense and the, the 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 heartbreak of 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 trying to get pregnant, um, there are children, there are babies, and there are older children and everything in between who need homes and families. So if you have, and I wouldn't say this to Tanya, obviously, I'm not in that place with her. But if you, there are people here who are trying to get pregnant in this world with a, with a planet doing what it's doing, you know, um, 
I say adopt, please. Uh, 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 someone in another chat room said the I-5 in California was shut down today. Well, the I-5 often shuts down because there's a, uh, I think an area called the Grapevine. It's been many years since I lived there. I think that's what it's called. Where you can't drive through there in the winter without chains on your car. So that's not surprising. Now, if it was I-5 in LA, in, in like downtown LA where it hit, that would be one thing. But up in the, the Grapevine area, up near... Um, I think near Bakersfield. Um, anyway, if you know, I, I'm going back and forth because I'm reading the chat and I'm I'm doing stream of consciousness kind of stuff here. Um, but yeah, the, no, Ed the second said there's snow in California mountains all year round, but that's true. Like one of my favorite sites would be driving east. Sorry, yes, driving east on the 10, the Santa Monica Freeway, and you see the mountains in the distance. And when they were snow-covered, oh, just nothing is beautiful. But you don't, you never saw it in L.A. proper. Yes, it's always snowing on the grapevine. For for I-5 to be shut down there is not unusual. For snow in L.A. County, that's unusual. Between L.A. and San Diego, that's unusual. All right, I am jumping around a bit. Um, Again, we're going to hear from Philip Itner in a little while. He's going to check in with us from Ukraine. But while we're sort of in the middle here, I shared with you uh, the latest from Tanya. I played for you those calls I made a year ago as the war was beginning. I do have some hotel phone numbers if we decide we want to go there. Um, Later on in the show, we can do that. But but one thing I did want to share with you, in the wake of the video I played for you yesterday is, and to refresh your memory in case you didn't hear it or you, I don't know how you could forget it. I played a video that actually David saw on Twitter. Rachel Bittacoffer had retweeted it from someone else. And it's these group of anti-Semites and worse than that, they're, they're Nazis and they're in Orlando. They're in South Orlando. And yesterday they they accosted a group of Orthodox Jews outside of their Chabad and were shouting the most vile, ugly, horrible things at them. Um, and the cops drove by and did nothing. Free speech. Yeah, there's a difference there. Um, what I want to point out for you is, and it, you know, it drives me nuts that today the two so-called news networks, CNN and MSNBC, are for the second day in a row airing this murder trial nonstop, like there's no real news to report. I'm sorry for the family that got murdered, but really? Two days? Like eight hours of testimony? I don't care. The only Murdoch I want to see on trial is Rupert Murdoch's family. These people, I don't care. Um, there is news to be covered, and maybe they should be covering the day of hate that's being planned for tomorrow, which is Shabbos. The Jews, our holy day is Saturday, right? Uh, the, you know, Christian world is Sunday, but Saturday is the day that Jews go to temple. Well, tomorrow is the, quote, day of hate, national day of hate being planned where these I can't call them people, these creatures will go to synagogues and Chabad's and, and temples 
and harass people who are going to um, worship. Last month, an anti-Semitic group based in Iowa designated February 25th as a day of hate, and other white supremacists and hate groups have since said they plan to participate. And the the, the people, I'm sorry, the Cretans who did that, who you saw on that video yesterday, they're part of a group called the Goyim Defense League. Goyim is a Yiddish word for people who aren't Jewish. Um, They are despicable. And the reason that this right now is even more offensive than it would be is because of the charade, the bullshit that that Putin is spewing, that the reason for his invasion of Ukraine was to go after the Nazis. Bullshit. It's bullshit. You know what? Yeah, there may be some Nazis in Ukraine. Guess what? There are Nazis here. They're right here in Broward County, Florida, where I am. So is is Putin going to come and invade here to get rid of these Nazis who are threatening my people? Apparently nobody is coming here to uh, to help us, to protect us from these people who have designated tomorrow as a day of hate against Jews. So, oh, MSNBC has been talking about the hate groups. Diane says in the chat room, well, it's hard to tell because every time I've turned on the TV in the last two days, I see this murder trial. So I think the priorities are a little off. But anyway, um, I see our guest is here, and uh, I'm happy to welcome back to the show, uh, Philip. It, oops, oh, hold on, Philip. I got, I have the wrong, I've got audio coming through your pot here. There you are, Philip Itner, who is in Ukraine. Hi, Philip. Welcome back. Hi, is my audio okay? Your audio is fine. I just had to turn right, down great. the... Uh, Lovely to see you, Nicole. Well, you as well, and thank you for joining us. We, You joined me here, um, it was uh, a year ago already. Um, oh, when I was in Lviv. Yeah, can I just, before we talk about you, Ukraine. Yes. Um, I, I want to mention what you were talking about there with with the hate attacks on yeah. the Jewish community in Florida. I can walk five minutes from here to the central synagogue in Kiev, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It is not disturbed. There's no graffiti. It is revered. It is protected. There is a very strong Jewish community here. They're in Lviv. There is a there is a memorial. It's on uh, <clears throat> on my YouTube uh, channel, which is just my name. Uh, I did a, a a report from a memorial site uh, with beautiful um, standing stones uh, where once stood one of Europe's oldest synagogues, and it was destroyed by the Nazis in the Second World War. But now there is a a very beautiful, very touching memorial, which is maintained, which is protected, no graffiti, no damage, no nothing like that. So, you know, you make a very good point. There are plenty of Nazis in America. Would those who support um, uh, Russia's invasion here or who uh, denigrate the Ukrainians uh, accept uh, the bombing of, let's say, Saginaw, Michigan, because right. of Charlottesville or the Proud Boys, it's the exact same thing. It is the exact same thing. And that's why I'm drawing this correlation because of the anniversary today and knowing what's happening over there and the bullshit reason that Putin is giving. And then the people over here who are going along with it. We've got all these Putin yeah. supporters. And, and as the year has gone by, more and more of them are supporting that and saying, well, 
Ukraine is at fault here. They need to they need to start the peace process. Tell the guy who's bombing them. Yeah. Well, the Russians are very good at information warfare, and, and they're very good at targeting information warfare at Western powers, in particular us in the United States of America, because they see the USA as their primary enemy. While, you know, there are uh, operational desks in the State Department or in the Pentagon that study pretty much every country on the face of this earth and play in and act out. What if there's a coup? If you're the State Department, what if there's a coup in, you know, some? In, in, what if there's a coup in Peru? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? They 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 game that out. The Pentagon says, what if there's an invasion of? Uh, Zimbabwe from South Africa. What are we going to do in that situation? We game out so many different variables. Yep. The Russians concentrate almost exclusively on us. Wow. They are obsessed with us. They are absolutely concentrated on uh, attacking us, dividing us, um, bringing us down because they see us as the only power on the planet that they can that they would compete with them. Now they're wrong about that, but that's their perception. So we better wise up to the fact that um, the Russians know us very, very well, and they know how how to get under our skin. They know how to divide us, and they know how to pit us against one another. And and their information warfare skills, I would argue, are paramount on the globe. You know, there there used to be a time before we used this term gaslighting mm-hmm. that we talked about people who would manipulate the perception of reality to bend your mind to their way of thinking, or at the very least, to bend your mind into a way that wasn't a threat to them. We used to call that a Potemkin village. Okay. Now, Nicole, right. do you know the, 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 the term a Potemkin village comes from Catherine the Great's lover. Um, who this is the 18th century Russia, and and he took Catherine down to Crimea of all places mm. to show that the war was going well, but it wasn't going well. What he did was he built up these kind of facades of happy villagers and villages that had been cleaned up and 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 built up, but it was all a lie. It right. was all a facade and a manipulation of of perception and reality. The Russians are really good at it. And um, and they've been doing that uh, against the West and in particular in America uh, for a very long time, even before this war. I mean, they 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 did it in 2016. Of course, I know this is is controversial in many corners, but they interfered in our election. Yes, they did. They and did. the thing is, they, the same people now did. who are all of a sudden making excuses for Putin and the Russians and blaming the Ukrainians and and us, frankly, for the war. Are, are the same people who, um, I, I guess, forget, don't, you know, they're the ones who don't learn from history. It, it's mind-blowing. Well, the, narrative, the narrative that the Russians feed into these people's brains doesn't just go from one, uh, you know, event to, a next, uh, to the next. It gets into their mind. I mean, look at Michael Flynn. <laughs> look at General Michael Flynn, okay, who goes over to Russia 
and and gets into this mindset that we are the aggressor state. We are so uh, I mean, there's corruption. Of course, there's corruption in the United States, but we are so corrupt and so polluted that we are the cause and the source and and everything. You know that that that, that um, we're the problem basically. Right. And and we can argue about this on a number of different levels. I'm not. I don't look at America with rose-colored glasses. But what I am saying is that they worm into your brain, the Russians do, and they, they make you look at the same fact from a completely different perspective, and it twists the tone and the character of the argument, and they know how to do it so well. I mean, and, and that's why I do believe there are, and they found, why is it that they went after the GOP? Why did they go after the NRA? Why did they go low after Low hanging fruit. Like, oh, <laughs> it was easy to get them. <laughs> that's right. It's low hanging fruit because they have a common, they have a commonality. This Christian nationalism movement that is happening in the United States, I have no doubt that there are Russians deeply involved in that Nor program. Do I. I can't. I can't I can't say categorically, but we do know that they had they had infiltrators into the NRA. Mm. We know that they had infiltrators into our into the FBI for goodness sakes. Yep. It's time that we recognize nobody likes to have an enemy. I would love to be friends with everybody on this earth. Nobody likes an enemy, but it is time for us to to put away the idea that Russia is anything but an enemy to us. It, they, until there is substantive change in Moscow, um, and this goes back, you know, this has long legs. This goes back way, way back. But we better recognize that Russia has nothing but ill will towards us. Right. And start acting accordingly. We may not like it, but it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what they think. And they think we're enemy number one, and they're going to act accordingly. And yeah. that's what this war is about. That's what that's what everything that happened. I would argue Putin probably the worm turned with Putin somewhere around uh two thousand six, perhaps. I'm I, I don't know when it was, but certainly in the run up to the war in Georgia in two thousand eight, uh Vladimir Putin decided decided, right, I'm not going to play ball. I'm gonna I'm gonna take proactive action to destabilize the West. And he's been doing it for a really long time. And then he enlists, you mentioned, you know, the low-hanging fruit. He gets Fox, and not only Fox, but their biggest mouthpiece, Tucker Carlson, who... They love Tucker. Oh, my God. Well, look, I wonder why. Listen to this clip from last November. Okay, this is, uh, if I can get my mouse up there, Tucker Carlson from last November. But, But hold on. Why would we take Ukraine's side and not Russia's side? Uh, it's a sincere question. If you're looking for the American perspective, side. no, but why? I mean, who's got the energy reserves? Who's who's the major player in world affairs? Who's the potential counterbalance against China, which is the actual threat? Why would we take Ukraine's side? Why wouldn't we on Russia's side? I, I don't. I'm totally confused. Ukraine is a democracy. Uh, Russia is an authoritarian regime that is seeking to impose its will upon a validly elected democracy in Ukraine. And we're on the side of democracy. That's why people were chasing those planes in Afghanistan and wouldn't be chasing Russian ones. We're for democracy. We're for liberty. We're not for authoritarian regimes coming in and changing borders by tanks. Russia isn't showing up on the border with ballot boxes. They're showing up on the border with tanks. And that's why we need to make certain we're on the side of democracy. Yeah, I I, I mean, I'm guessing for democracy in other countries, I guess. 
I guess I'm for democracy in yes. other countries. I guess. Oh, and then there's the- telling us yes. that Ukraine is a democracy. Therefore, we have a moral obligation to defend it. You can't say it enough. Ukraine is not a democracy. Ukraine is a country in which the president, the ruling party, supported by Joe Biden, essentially managed by the State Department, has arrested the main opposition leader, has closed opposition media, newspapers and television stations. That's not a democracy. And by the way, if the Biden administration believes that is a model democracy, we ought to be very concerned because well, it's, it's not. It's authoritarian. Uh, everything the man says is just yeah. bullshit, and and he gets away with it. And now, uh, the the Speaker of the House gives that guy forty four thousand hours of surveillance video from the Capitol from one from January sixth. It is opposite world. It's crazy time here. Yeah, I mean, he talks about this place not being a democracy since nineteen ninety one. There have been, uh, I think, seven or eight free and fair elections in this country. How many have there been conducted in Russia? Not a one. Not Not a a single one. There was an abdication. Uh, There was a passing of the torch between Yeltsin and Putin, and Putin has never relinquished relinquished, uh, the reins of power. He he put up Medvedev as a puppet, uh, but has never been out of power. So that that is ridiculous. Ridiculous, and then and then also when uh, this is another talking point that I, if you'll allow me to address Please. because I I, I want to give ammunition to those people yes. who might be getting into arguments with with people on t- today on this one year uh, I don't want to call it an anniversary but the, the the marking of this one year of the beginning of the war yeah um, Zelensky closed down a bunch of newspapers and political parties that were not. Uh, operating in good faith, they were they were funded, supported, and directed by Russian intelligence. They were not Ukrainian political parties. They were they were meant to. They were a fifth column. They were meant to destabilize and fracture Ukrainian society, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it, but nobody had the gu- the guts to do it on, until, frankly. Uh, you know, this war became uh, so the, well, the conflict post 2014. And then, of course, the run up to the full scale invasion. It's the same thing with the, the religion here. Um, this is predominantly a Christian country, although there's a very strong uh, Jewish community and there's a very strong uh, Muslim community, most notably in Crimea. But the divisions between uh, Christianity here are, are pronounced. And one of the the the, 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 the one of the schisms uh, is within orthodoxy. Hmm. And and, um, and so now there has been this controversy, and we see it being picked up by um, certain sectors in America saying, oh, he's shutting down religion. He's anti-religion. No, he is shutting down the Russian Orthodox Church or its proxy, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. I don't want to go into deep detail because it, it really fractures into a whole bunch sure. as you know religion is ought to do but um he um he is he is found or well intelligence units uh, within the Ukrainian security apparatus have found that <laughs> pardon me a lot of these uh Ukrainian orthodox church guys who pay allegiance to patriarch Kirill in Moscow who was a former KGB agent uh, Russian uh, Ukrainian security forces <clears throat> have found that you know they're giving support to um, 
fifth columnists and to uh, <clears throat> separatist movements out in the East. So it's not about religion. Right. It's about uh, defending yourself. And and look, I I don't think anyone uh, with a mind can can fault Zelensky. I think he's doing an amazing job, and especially when you think of where he came from, right? I mean, his background—he wow. was a comedian. And and I'll I'll say it, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but if you have Netflix, go search for Servant of the People. It was the sitcom. That aired in Ukraine that uh, Volodymyr Zelensky starred in. He was a very well-known comedian. And he played the role of a school teacher who was passionate about basically democracy. And a rant of his to his class basically went viral. And he wound up getting elected president. And, and so and then life imitated art. And who would have ever thought that that guy could be a great president? Look, and I went on a rant the other day uh, against people who are screaming that John Stewart should run, that the Democrats should put up John Stewart, right. uh, which I think is a stupid idea. But, you know, look, I would have said Zelensky's a stupid idea, too. So what do I know? But anyway, Zelensky was very smart, though, because he had a full uh, media empire. It wasn't just I mean, he was a businessman and uh. a pretty shrewd one at that. So it wasn't like he was an actor in a television show. I mean, he was, but it was his television show uh, built out of his media empire, which yeah. is a a multi, multi-million dollar, I don't think multi-billion, but multi, you know, very lucrative uh, media empire that he had here. But if you watch those shows, um, there's something that he does, and I don't know if it translates into English or if you pick it up quite so much with subtitles, but Every episode, uh, I've watched a few of them, and mm-hmm. I've I've spoken to other friends who, who love that show and have watched every single episode. Ukrainian friends. Mm-hmm. What it is is basically they they will have a they will have a an A storyline, uh, and then they will have the B storyline, which will be slightly political or cultural. Okay. <laughs> and at some point in the show, uh, Zelensky's character. We'll get to a boiling point with 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 either something in storyline A or storyline B, but either one of them will have a political or cultural through line, and he will go into a rant. And many people say it was a, such a successful sitcom because of those moments, hmm. because it was this <laughs> weekly moment of letting that pressure valve. Uh, 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 let go because of the corruption in the country, because of the because of the the frustration with uh, Russia. With uh, I mean, even things like you know, I get stopped for speeding tickets, but if I give the guy an extra you know couple bucks, right, he's not gonna he's not gonna ticket me, but he's gonna go, you know, he's gonna go to the bar or whatever, you know, or little things, you know, like I you know I hate it how. We have to buy little stupid tokens uh, for the the subway, or you know, the little whatever but right. it, issues that people are dealing with on a daily basis. Right, exactly, and and it allowed people to say, "This is a guy who understands the things that frustrate frustrate me in my daily life." And Zelensky, as we've now seen in the last year in particular, is an incredibly evocative and articulate speaker. Oh, yeah. And he models his uh, speeches for his audience. And I was worried about that, frankly, 
<clears throat> but I really got a tickle. Sorry, it's so terrible. Are, are, um, are you okay? I mean, people in the chat room said no, you no, were not just, doing. Are, no, is this no, just I a just, cough? I just need just, a little bit more water. Gotcha. I got a tickle. Okay. Somebody said they hoped your home COVID tests are still are still good. <laughs> just you have people worrying about you in, <laughs> anyhow, in the chat room. Anyhow, he 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 did this sort of thing, uh, where he he um, you know, he, he spoke directly to them. And as I say, he, we see this now in this crisis period of this war. You know, he goes to the British Parliament and he says, "We're going to fight the Russians on the landing grounds and on the, but you know, on the beaches and the and the and the, the all this kind of evokes Churchill." He goes to he goes to to Paris and he talks about you know fraternity, egalité, liberté. Uh, and then, of course, he he came to Congress this year in that amazing speech that he yes. delivered, and he talked about. You know our 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 fights. Uh, you know at at York. You know I think he mentioned was it Yorktown? He mentioned, but he he, he spoke directly to things um, that would uh, be receptive to his audience, <clears throat> and he did that to uh, to the nation. And so I think to say yes, and he also did silly kind of slapstick right. humor and clownish kind of stuff. I mean, he you know he's a funny guy. Uh, by all accounts, I've never met him, um, but um, you know that uh, to, to denigrate him as just or to, to dismiss him as this, just this artist uh, or comedian or whatever. No, there's so much more to it. Obviously, and, um, obviously, 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 and he's really risen to the occasion. So his speech today um, uh, to mark the 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 beginning of the war, the one year since the beginning of the full war. Yeah. Um, when he when he broke down, he was he was he was clearly moved. He was uh, giving medals uh, to to the families of the fallen. Wow! And you could see you could see he was and he wasn't faking it. It wasn't performative. Um, I, I mean, he's a he's a good actor, but he's also just a, a he carries empathy with him. Oh, you can uh, see are, it. He's a human, and and, and you, you the humanity comes well. through. Yes, you can. Yeah, one of the things I like about Biden is the fact that you can see empathy uh, that that the Biden have him knowing tragedy. Um, you know, when when Biden was here at the beginning of this week, um, and that surprise visit, yes. How was that well, received over the there? Well, did it surprise you? Because it surprised the hell out it, of me. It, it, surpri it surprised me uh, very much. <clears throat> um, but there was the moment when he was introducing his staff to Biden. And Biden was going down the line and talking to all these people mm -hmm. who I am sure Zelensky has worked, you know, you know, sleepless nights, uh, under incredible duress sure. and to see the people meet the, the people in his close cabinet meeting the president of the United States and for the president of the United States to be physically in Kiev and, and being able to do that again, he was obviously very deeply emotionally moved. So he's a human being. And, 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 and this is one of the things why, why Ukrainians really love him so much. He is not a, <clears throat> He's not really a cult of personality, although we could debate that. Right. So it's a different what, it's a different adoration they have for him over there than say we do yes, for John Stewart. He's one of us. Right. He's one of us. He's yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, John Stewart is a very funny guy yep. and he's he's very witty and uh, a great writer and, and a and a, a very strong intellect. But 
but what Zelensky does for his people is I'm one of you. I'm not above you. Right. And for a country struggling to create a liberal democracy, boy, did they luck out with this guy. Um, And how was it received? It was received uh, incredibly well. Uh, I I knew I I was uh, I I spoke to many of my Ukrainian friends, of course, uh, not directly, but, you know, online and DMing and chatting Mm -hmm. and stuff. What I did do, however, was on the day I walked around the corner to my little um, bodega, my little, you know, my little corner shop. Yeah. And the woman the woman in there knows me. She knows I'm a foreigner. She knows I'm an American. And boy, the second I stepped through that door, the smile on oh, her face yeah. and her eyes lit up. And she was saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having your president come over as if I had anything to do with it. Right. But, you know, it was just the sense of like to have him come here, the the, the this guy who you know, he's the leader of the free world. He's the most, he's, and he's been a very strong advocate for Ukrainian support. So um, that was a big deal. That was a really big deal. Um, And uh, I, I, I think it was a big deal on the day, but then when I saw him speak in Warsaw and conclude that conference, something I can't, I can't point to any one thing except for a sentiment I got the impression from that closing uh, day in Warsaw um, that a lot of people had said, okay, no more, you know, drip, drip, drip. Maybe we're going to support Ukraine. Maybe we're not. What are the limits on our support? What are, no, I, I get the sense that we are, we're, we're in it. We're, we're in it beside, you know, beside them, behind them, but they are going to do the fighting. Right. And that's important. And that's important for them, and it's important for us. That is important. And the thing that, you know, that I noted, and I, I some others did, not everybody, but this was the first time a U.S. president visited a war zone where we did not have troops on the ground. Um, right. And he was showing support for democracy. That's what it's about. And you know what? During the election, there were people who told him, yeah, don't, you know, that, that that's too abstract a, a, a concept. Don't do that. Focus on the issues. And he's like, no, this is about saving democracy. And yeah, right. it's, it's a global fight right now. And it is the most important thing. We're fighting for it here. We're fighting for it there. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And, you know, Nicole, in the, in the, the year that I've been here, um, there's been another. Uh, there's, there's been a number of things that have impacted me uh, while I've been here during this war, living amongst the Ukrainians, living side by side with them, um, going through many of the hardships that they go through uh, or they have gone through. Um, I've gone to the front lines a few times, but no more than anything, it's just living. You know, yeah. you, you lose power, you lose yeah. water, you you you're under attack which the psychological strain of that is not to be underestimated. You're seeing children uh, uh, walking the streets with thousand yard stairs and you wonder why it is. What have they seen? Mm. Why are these children walking around like zombies? Yeah. Uh, and they shouldn't be. You see young men uh, uh, walking the streets, uh, missing limbs. Ugh. And of course you don't know whether or not that is something from a factory accident or anything, but I've been coming here 22 years and uh, <clears throat> I'd be willing to hazard a, a educated guess that uh, the, 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 the vast uptick of men that I see 
on, on the streets of Kiev and other cities in Ukraine, uh, missing parts of their body is not because, uh, um, you know, the, the, the machine shops are, no. are breaking down in no. factories. No. It's because of the war. Of course. Um, so it breaks my heart. But on some other level, it, it humbles me because we, are, we take our democracy so for granted. We really do, um, in my opinion. And and these are people who are willing to fight, to die, to suffer, to go through everything that they've gone through in the last year, and then and their their will and their morale has not ebbed a single, uh, not even a millimeter, not even a, you know a half, you know right. No, so, I I know you know Phil. I I like to put a human face on it. I like to make human connections when something's going on around the world. You know, it's a very small world when you use the telephone or now Skype. So right after, on the 28th of February last year, I called, I I usually call hotels because I'm more apt to find somebody who speaks English in a foreign land. And I called, I found the the Friends Forever, (laughs) the Friends Forever Hostel in Kiev and a wonderful woman named Tanya answered the phone. She and her husband own it. Her husband's Dennis. And we have maintained a friendship for the last year. I've I've gone through the ups and downs with her. She wound up, her husband wanted her to leave. She left. She went to Poland and then visited her sister in Dubai for about a month. But she missed her husband. She's like, I got to get back to my husband. I need to live my life. And so she went back, didn't tell him she was coming, went back and, and, you know, is going through the motion. She sent me a, a video. I played it earlier of how they 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 got some car batteries and they have wires running up to the lights on the ceiling so when the power goes out they have lights how they rigged up a little hot plate so they can cook they are just making it work and they're trying to live life as usually they're trying to get pregnant now which i i, I honestly i don't understand but good for them because they're not letting this stop their lives more than that more than that they know that if they lose this fight, I don't want to go into a whole diatribe about Ukrainian history because it's, it's incredibly dense um, and it's very complex because Russia's involved and Russia Mm -hmm. likes to manipulate as we talked about reality and also history. Um, So I won't go into, into great detail of that, but you know, this is really the third war of independence, mm. the Ukrainians have tried. They have tried in the last hundred years. Every time Russia has been diminished, and that is at the end of the First World War and the collapse of the Tsarist Empire uh-huh. and the Russian Civil War, the Ukrainians said, "Great, we're going to have independence. We're going to finally have our own country." And of course, uh, Russia got back on its feet. And what is the first thing it do? It did came here and reconquered Ukraine. In the Second World War, that's murkier and, and nastier because the Nazis are involved and Ukrainians. Um, some actually sided with the Nazis because they hated the the Stalin the the communists more than they hated the Nazis. And we can debate the ethics of that. And I have issues with all of that. That's a very murky period and an ugly period. Um, but again, when uh, Nazi Germany was pounding on Soviet Russia, what did the Ukrainians do? They declared independence again. And and it, the reason I bring this up is because this is a recurring theme in Ukraine's history. 
They have wanted independence and self-rule and self-determination, not for the last, what is it, you know, since 2000, for the last eight years, uh, nine years now, uh, since since 2014, and certainly not in this last year. They have been fighting for independence for centuries. This has been going, they arrested the Ukrainian poet laureate in 1846, a guy by the name of Taras Shevchenko. He wrote a poem, Gasp, in his native language of yeah. Ukrainian. And for that, he was imprisoned. Yeah. And he, he got he got ill in prison and ultimately would die because of it. It has happened throughout Ukraine's history. This is Ireland. This is Algeria. This is a colonial battle. And 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 it's Russia's arguments are are specious at best. And they this country finally deserves to be independent. Yeah. It is long 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 overdue and we better support and 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 i and i i do i do know i go on diatribe so That's I'll, okay. wrap, I'll, I'll finish this and you can ask me another question okay but let me just make this other point when i talk about history and i talk about this long overdue there was a there was an uh, there was a conglomeration of um countries uh it, it existed uh around the uh 16th to the 18th century called the Polish Commonwealth uh, Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth of which Belarus Poland uh Lithuania on the Baltic Sea and yes Ukraine were part members they tried to fight a uh a a, a revolution uh, to install representative democracy in the uh, 1760s. Uh, but their empire, their imperial ruler was right on their doorstep, uh, Russia, mm-hmm. and they pounded them and crushed it and destroyed that that democratic revolution. Where did those uh, generals and those soldiers who fought for democracy in Central Europe against an oppressive czarist system where did they flee when they lost that war? Ukraine. They went to America. Oh, to America. No, to America. <laughs> there you go. They went to well, America. Those of you who live in the Midwest or who who, who spend time in the Midwest know the name Kasimir Polatsky. Mm, okay. Polatsky was a Polish general. He was a, he was a, a hugely instrumental in winning the American Revolution. Not. Because he was simply fleeing the, yes, he lost his war and he came, but also because the ideals were the same. This this fight for democracy on this ground has been going on for a really long time. And it is long overdue that they get it. And we need to pay back the debt that we owe to a lot of those Ukrainian um, or, you know, Polish, Belarusian, uh, this stretch of, of Europe who came to America and helped free our revolution, we owe a debt to them just as much as we owe a debt to, um, you know, uh, 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 who's uh, what's the French um, Lafayette? You know, General Lafayette, Lafayette. We owe these people. Yeah. We, we need and, to stand and, with them. And we are standing with them. And, you know, it yeah. sucks that we have to fight back against people here who are playing the propaganda game and, and are mouthpieces for Putin. And that's why it's important that we stick up. Look, I, I'm... I, I'm a peacemonger. I want peace. That the the idea of war I find repugnant. It's just it's 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 war. It's barbaric. How do we still do this in the 21st century? We're still fighting people. But it's it's happened through the ages and it's going to keep happening. 
we need to stand right now. There is a fight for democracy. Uh, we see it every day here. Look, I'm in Florida where we have a fascist as governor who is doing his best to turn back time. Um, it's frightening. And if we don't stand up for democracy, we're going to lose it because there are forces out there who think of an authoritarian form of government is just fine. And if Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis wants to tell you that the school has to teach white nationalism, which is where the direction they're going, then that's where we're going to go. Unless we stand up and say, no, we are a democracy. It's it's a fight for our survival. Um, and and, and the Ukrainians it, are giving us a great example. They are. They really are. Phil, Phil Edner is with us. You're in Ukraine. You've been there for a year now. Um, where are you? When we spoke last time, you were in Lviv. Where are you now? I'm in Kiev. I'm in oh, the capital. Oh, you are. Um, would you I'm do me a favor? Sometime sure. in your spare time in your travels, find my friend Tanya and the Friends Forever Hostel. It's right in the center of Kiev. There, I'm she sure. and Dennis are amazing people. I know you'll love her. And if you just go and give her a hug for me, just tell her Nicole. She know she. You know, I got to tell you. I'll tell you one quick story. Some months ago, they uh, somebody from some asshole from new york got her number i guess called the hostel the same way i did and was threatening her was saying horrible things to her and she told me about this and she sent me the messages that he sent her well i have a way to you know i've i i have a bit of sleuth in me and i tracked the guy down and i got his name and his actual phone number and i and i called him out and he's like how do you know who i am um and when i i i told tanya this she's like I, I thank you. You're you're protecting me. I'm like I'm like I feel like Mama Bear. Okay, I I she is my person there in Ukraine because I have a relationship with her. I have a human face. It's not just a country of people who are being oppressed and are being bombed to oblivion. I have a friend over there, and I feel very protective of her and her husband and her friends for that reason. And 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 when I got this guy in New York and I put him in his place. I became her protector in her eyes, too. So we are friends. We will meet one of these days. But since I can't meet her in person, I hope you will. You send me your details and DM, and, and, I'll, and I'll go give her that hug. You got and I'll it. make one other quick point, because I, I know you're trying to wrap up here. But let me just make one other quick point. Is that all these guys who talk about these Russian talking points, the Nazis, the, the this, the that, the other thing, um, it's not that hard to come here. You know, these guys who purport to be journalists or and they take a position, position, an anti-Ukrainian position, it's actually not that hard to come here. And if they came here for a day or two, they would know that all of those talking points are false and inaccurate. And they put a human figure. You're so right. Put a human face on it. And all that propaganda and all those lies that Russia has been worming into your brain will disappear. But they won't come here because they profit from it. And um, and I find that disgusting. It is so, disgusting. Uh, I am I'm happy to be here. I'm humbled to be here. Uh, I support these people. They're wonderful people. And they deserve uh, our support. And ultimately, they deserve to be free. And, uh, and, and live in peace. Please. And live in peace and self-determination. And ultimately, it will be better for everyone. So... 
Of course. I, I don't regret coming here and I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick it out until the end. Are you? Wow. Well, good for you. And I'm glad you're there. And I, and I, I hope you don't mind. I will call on you more often. I just, I, I don't know why I haven't been. I'm very concerned about the people over there. And I love that you're there and you're doing this. So thank you. And I'll send you Tanya's information. And I really appreciate it. Um, today, I couldn't just let it be another day when the American media is on this murder trial. Thing. It's like, what the hell? Like, there's no news. In fact, I recorded an interview earlier today that's going to air on Monday with the people from Project Censored. And I went off on the fact that our American media is going all in on this murder trial. It's not like there aren't, isn't real news that needs covering. And you can go to projectcensored.org and look at their 25, top 25 stories from the past year that has been ignored by the corporate media. There's plenty that they can report yeah. on that they the, don't. The media circus is here in town now for the one-year anniversary. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, they, but they scratch the surface, and they don't do a lot of deaths. So if I allow myself one other quick thing. Please. I've, I, I have tried throughout this year, because I've been coming here for 22 years, to not just be an ambulance chaser, to not just go out to the front lines and who's winning and who has this territory and who has that territory, or to do the, the news of the day about what blew up here or what blew up there, or even go to the hospitals and, you know, to, to the refugee camps. No, what I've been trying to do is is do real in-depth uh, complex, deep dives into why it is this is happening, who these people are, what the history is, because we are living that history. It's not a separate thing. This is a culmination of centuries. Yeah. And so to understand what's happening now, you have to understand the complexity of the history. So I have a YouTube channel where I put up vlogs as, as often as I can. Uh, sometimes I will comment on, on uh, you know, news of the day, but I will try to do it through the through the um, through my perspective, having come in here for for 22 years and 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 having you know and just living amongst the Ukrainian people and and trying to understand it on a human level, not just the headlines. So it's just my name, Philip Itner, on YouTube. You know, I've got a thing there this week about about you know what it is about war between Ukraine and Russia and the histories of war and how that that affects things. I've got. A reflection from a guy who fought one of the most important battles uh, that changed the course of the war. I put that up. Um, but I try to put up stuff that gives you deeper understanding of what is really happening here because it is right. incredibly complex. Well, I will so, link to your YouTube really, channel you know, as well from the blog where right. I post today's show. It'll be there uh, be there within the hour at NicoleSandler.com. Philip Etner, thank you so much. Thank you for the work you're doing. It's so important. Uh, we will talk right. again soon. Really appreciate it. I know it's late uh, there too, so you go have a good well, night. I, I'm going to go be on Ali Velshi's show. Oh, oh good. I'm going to watch you then. because. Oh, very cool. Because I, I love Ali Velshi. He's one of the few people at MSNBC that I, I, I really like and respect. Well, tell him yeah. I say hi, too, if you get a chance. He's been on my show. I, I love him. Um, Phil, right. thank you so much. We will talk again soon. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. So, Ukraine. Slava, Ukraine. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, um, bye-bye. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad he's going to be on Ali Velshi's show tonight. Good. It gives me a reason to uh, turn MSNBC back on. Wow. It's an emotional day. And you know what? David and I, <clears throat> we decided to jump in. You know, we're, we're, he, he's more obsessed than I am with the TV show, um, uh, Knowing Your Roots with um, uh, uh, Henry David Gates. 
I'm getting his name wrong, aren't I? David Gates is the guy from Bread. Henry Louis Gates. Um, and where they trace your, your DNA. And so we finally did the 23andMe thing, figured we could find out about our ancestry and health at the same time. And it turns out, look, I knew I was Russian, Russian Romanian. I'm also Ukrainian. I have um, ancestry from Ukraine. So now there's even more of a connection there. My connection is Tanya, as is yours too, because we're all in this together. And I'm so glad he's going to go meet her. I'm going to send him all the info. Okay, the weekend is here. As I said, Monday, I promise you a fascinating interview with the people from Project Censored. And um, yeah, uh, that's all I'll tell you. It's worth listening to. We had a great discussion. We could have gone on for hours. And the reason I didn't play it today was because, well, I wanted to talk to Phil and I wanted to deal with Ukraine because I thought marking the one year since the invasion began was very important because, as you know, the coverage has sort of slipped from our daily news and we have too many people like the assholes at Fox and, you know, the other former former progressives who now appear to be uh, on that side of the aisle, and I think it's all about all about the money, um, I, I thought it was important that we deal with this today. I know at the beginning of the show, one of our regulars in the chat room said, I'm not into this war stuff. I'll see you all Monday. It's not about the war. It's about the people. It's about their future. It's about our future. It's about not falling to the despots and the dictators, not letting the Trumps of the world or the Putins of the world take over. It's about independence and freedom. And I'm talking about real freedom, not the fascist stuff that DeSantis talks about. You got to keep that in mind. It's about our kids and their kids. To quote the Moody Blues, to our children's children's children. That's who we need to look out for. All right. Have a great uh, weekend, everybody. I will see you Monday. And uh, as usual, I'll leave you with the news. Thank you. And uh, Slava Ukraini. Bye-bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky marked the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of his country on Friday by promising, quote, we will defeat everyone. Zelensky congratulated Ukrainians on their resilience in the face of Europe's biggest and deadliest war since World War II. He said they had proven themselves to be invincible in what he called a year of pain, sorrow, faith and unity. He called February 24th, 2022, the hardest day of our lives, the hardest day of our modern history. Meanwhile, allies renewed expressions of support for Ukraine. The UN General Assembly passed a resolution calling for Russia to withdraw and seek peace. China abstained. But the Chinese foreign ministry did renew its calls for a political settlement as Beijing comes under pressure for its strengthening ties to Moscow. And on Friday morning, President Biden is meeting virtually with Zelensky and the G7 leaders to discuss what further assistance Ukraine will need and how to keep putting the financial squeeze on Putin and his allies. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that the U.S. is increasing its number of troops deployed to Taiwan to boost a training program for Taiwan's military 
as tensions rise with China. We're not talking about a massive increase in troops, talking about one to 200 in the coming months, up from about 30 a year ago. But this deployment will be the biggest for the U.S. in decades on Taiwan. It's an island that China views as part of its territory. In addition to the training in Taiwan, the Michigan National Guard is training a Taiwanese contingent during annual exercises involving multiple countries at Camp Grayling in northern Michigan. The Pentagon hasn't publicized the programs reportedly to avoid provoking China. Well, the National Transportation Safety Board on Thursday released its preliminary report on the derailment of that Norfolk Southern train carrying toxic chemicals and found that the disaster could have been prevented. The report says the crew on board received an alert about an overheated wheel bearing 235 degrees above the ambient temperature. The report was released on the same day that Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg visited the site of the derailment, his first visit coming three weeks after the accident. Buttigieg pledged the Biden administration's ongoing support, and he took a swipe at the former guy who turned the site into a circus a day earlier. Trump lied about garnering huge ratings for his appearance there. Ratings on what? He handed out Trump-branded water and maggot hats and took a group of people to McDonald's for some inexplicable reason. When he was asked about killing planned railroad safety regulations, Trump lied, nothing new there, and said he had nothing to do with that. Well, Mayor Pete responded. One thing he could do is express support for reversing the deregulation that uh, happened on his watch. I heard him say he had nothing to do with it, even though it was in his administration. So if he had nothing to do with it and they did it in his administration against his will, maybe he could come out and say that he supports us moving in a different direction. Now, we're not afraid to own our policies when it comes to raising the bar on regulation. In the wake of the new Republican Speaker of the House kicking three Democrats off of their committee assignments, there's a move to create a bipartisan task force to set parameters for removing a lawmaker from a committee. And apparently both Speaker Kevin McCarthy and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries are expected to submit the names of members to serve. McCarthy said he would create such a group to clarify the rules after the booting of Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee garnered a lot of pushback. Students in Florida are protesting the governor, Ron DeSantis's heavy-handed tactics as he attempts to reshape education, both at the K-12 through level and at Florida's university system. Racist, sexist, anti-gay, Ron DeSantis, go away! That was the scene at one of the many Florida universities where students walked out on Thursday in protest. MSNBC's Alex Wagner explains. Across Florida today, students walked out protesting Republican Governor Ron DeSantis's policies targeting the LGBTQ community and students of color. They're pushing back on the governor's plans to ban initiatives focused on diversity and equity and to restrict courses dealing with race. The walkout was planned after Governor DeSantis asked public universities in the state to turn over the health care information of transgender students, including how many students sought or received treatment for gender dysphoria and their ages. It is unclear why he needs that information. Students who walked out of the University of South Florida in Tampa held signs that read, Protect Our Trans Siblings and Black Lives Matter. These are students at Florida International University in Miami, and you can hear them chant, let teachers teach. Governor DeSantis, of course, is one of the top generals in the right-wing culture wars, declaring Florida as the state where woke goes to die. 
And so Florida has become ground zero for the rights attacks on education, and we've been seeing it all play out in schools like New College of Florida, where the president of the Public Liberal Arts College was recently forced out by a board of trustees full of DeSantis appointees, including right-wing activist Chris Rufo, who made a name for himself in conservative circles with his crusade against critical race theory. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener supported and I need your help. So do check out NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button.